My name is Bond, James Bond. My instructions were implicit. I was to leave for Jamaica in two hours, licensed to kill. Now you may be miss it. You don't miss a thing. I decided to accept your invitation. I have to leave immediately. Just as things were getting interesting again. <laughs> License to kill whom he pleases, where he pleases, when he pleases. From the elegant club rooms of Mayfair to exotic island night spots. Good evening. Who pays you? You. Tell us. A strange adventure of intrigue, treachery, and love. Mr. Bond, I was thinking, why don't you collect me at my apartment? It's lovely up here in the mountains. Her directions were easy to follow, and she sent a few of her friends to make sure I didn't get lost. She thought I was dead, but I proceeded to prove her wrong. I thought it was always polite to knock first before shooting. Honey, from our very first meeting, was everything her name implied. She clung to me like a wet bathing suit. But business as usual came first. The pace was killing. I thought you less stupid. I could have had you killed in the swamp. And why didn't you? You damaged my organization. Unfortunately, I misjudged you. You are just a stupid policeman whose luck is run out. Maybe it was my luck. Up to my neck in hot water. Or something blowing up in my face. You'll live dangerously with the superbly resourceful James Bond. Exclusive screen dramatization of the book that has entertained millions of viewers. The exotic and tantalizing Dr. No. Some people will go to any extremes for a little privacy. So, yeah, Jared, we're here to talk about Dr. No, which, as anyone's listening knows, the very first of the James Bond movies. I think I have to kind of thank you for wanting to talk about this one because my history with the James Bonds are, you know, I kind of tend to rewatch the ones that I think of as my favorites. And I don't, and, and, but because you said you wanted to talk about one, some of the early ones, and they're all on Hulu now, thankfully, uh, I went back and just started at the beginning. And Dr. No was one of those ones that I had seen many years ago, and, and I sort of in my mind was like, ah, that's one of the slower ones, so let me just jump to Goldfinger. But I was like, no, no, let's start at the beginning. So I watched Dr. No. This is a terrific movie. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's fantastic. It is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I mean, for anyone who hasn't seen it, the super brief plot, of course, you might know it's James Bond, a resourceful British government agent, that would be James Bond, Sean Connery, seeks answers in a case involving the disappearance of a colleague and the disruption of the American space program. And, of course, the disruption is run by the infamous titular Dr. No, played by Joseph Weissman, and the Bond girl in this specific case is the stunning Ursula Andress playing Honey Rider. Again, they had the names all down right from the very beginning. Just how to perfectly name these characters. <laughs> Man, they definitely did. That's uh, It became a staple, didn't it, of the whole franchise. And they, there's, yeah. there's kind of a few things that they, they, they got right out of the gate. There's a couple of few things that, that didn't, you know, tropes, if you will. Tropes kind of has a negative connotation. But a couple of, of staples that, that weren't there yet. So, yeah, that's why Dr. No's very... Very interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, the opening credits, the ones by Maurice Binder, I mean, right right from the very beginning are, are really hypnotic. And I love the kind of gag with the three blind mice. There's kind of some humor stuck into it there. But, I mean, it's like right from the very beginning. I can only imagine what in 1962 that must have seemed like. Like, it must have been like a, like a frontal assault to have something so, <laughs> like, colorful and kind of loud in your face by in 1962 standards. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, the 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 color sequence, and I think Maurice Binder would end up doing. I think he did them all, all the way up until, geez, I think Goldeneye, something like that. I think but you're yeah, right. yeah, I think yeah, I think he did them all. And th- th- you're right; they're very captivating. And the only movie of that era that that I can think of that reminds me of it is um, Charade. And I really, honestly, don't know which one came out first, but Charade has a similar credit sequence. Yeah, that's but absolutely hey. true. This was first, actually. So, but yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Yeah, and well, and it's a fantastic movie. They're both fantastic. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, either way. <laughs> I love how uh, right after, like, you see the words "Doctor No" mm. as part of the movie itself. It's written on like that briefcase or something, and you you literally see it. And there's a nice close up shot of it by uh, the director is Terrence Young, who went on to do other James Bond movies, of course. But, like, I love that idea that you just see Dr. No written on the screen. Uh, by, yes. You know, like, like, that's such a cute little fun idea. Yeah, that was on the, just to show my nerdery, I'm pretty sure that was on a, on a file, in the filing cabinet was like, boom, Dr. No. There you go. Yeah, that was fantastic. I, I, in fact, uh, just so I, I wouldn't, wouldn't have to flounder on tonight's episode, I watched it. I finished watching it again about 20 minutes ago, which is weird because <laughs> I've seen it. I, I, I'm not even joking here. I've probably seen it 40 times. Wow. So I'm like, I'm like, why am I watching this again? <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's, it, but yeah, I, I just, just gave it a rewatch. Um, I think you and I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you and I spoke briefly before too. Did you not, didn't you tell me you got a chance to see this on a big screen recently? No, Goldfinger. Was the Goldfinger. One Goldfinger, yeah. Okay, yeah. I the, would love to see this on the big screen. I mean, this is, the colors of this movie are just so beautiful. I, I would kill to see this bigger. Oh, I tell you, I, I, I got a gift, a little manna from heaven a few years ago. Uh, we have a an independent theater in like an art district um, up in Montgomery, which is about an hour drive for me. But starting about five years ago, they said we're going to do James Bond one a year, go through the series. So I made it to Dr. No. I made it to From Russia with Love. I made it to Goldfinger. I missed Thunderball. I think a buddy of mine got married and I haven't forgiven him for that yet. (laughs) But yeah, but yeah, it was great. So I did, I got to go see this on the big screen, uh, which was great. Uh, but what was even more great was it's, it's not a giant theater, but I'd say there was probably about 200 people there. It, it was, good, it, that's a it good was, hall for a movie that's <laughs> readily available on DVD yes. and stuff. Sure. And I tell you what, I called the theater. I called the theater. Like once I saw it advertised and I said, Hey, you know, is this, is this one of those things where you're just going to basically show me the DVD and, 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 and just digitally project it? Or do you have a, a real film copy? They say, no, we get the real film copies. And I'm like, I'm in, I'm a hundred percent in. And uh, so we went up there, and it was just a very unique experience to experience it with, like, 199 other James Bond fans. Yeah. And just sort of experiencing it and just all sort of laughing at those little laughter moments. And then – and and I may be jumping ahead here, but what I was most interested to see is, is <laughs> to me – I, I, when it comes to the most racist moments in James Bond history, uh, <laughs> this, this one's got it's got one that I used to think was the worst until they did the uh, give me get me a make on a white pimpmobile line <laughs> from Live and Let Die. Uh, but in this one, there's a moment where they're on the beach and and they're about to run away, and he just looks at Coral and he goes, "Fetch my shoes." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "How is this moment going to go over in the public?" And it just got that. Oh, everyone just kind of groaned. They're like, "Oh man." <laughs> Yeah, you you have to sort of forgive some of the uh, really retrograde politics of these movies. You 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 do, but you know what though? As as I was watching it today for probably the forty first (laughs) time, I did notice, like like you said, there there's retrograde politics is a great phrase to use for it. There is a there's a certain amount of of classic. Hollywood that kind of makes you groan a little bit now, like, you know, Joseph Wiseman playing a half Chinese guy, and he was a Canadian guy, and and um, um, uh, Zena Marshall, 
she played the the Asian woman, the the, the double agent Asian woman, and she was French English. But it, it, you know, and on one hand, that's kind of very sort of frowned upon now. But on the other hand, when you watch it in comparison to other films of this era, where where someone would play Asian, it was like. Let's be honest. It was almost embarrassingly Asian. Yeah. You know, it was very stereotypical, and they did—they they didn't do that in this movie. Oh, they I mean, still... this movie's less than a year away from Breakfast at Tiffany's with Mickey Rooney doing yes, the oh, you know, doing ex- the worst. Yes, you know, that's it's, exactly it's, what I was thinking. About. I saw I saw that on the big screen last year, and every time those scenes come, people just buried their heads in their popcorn. You're just like, oh god, why is yeah. this in the movie? You know. So, I mean, I just think that's a, a little tip of the cap to Terrence Young. And if you've ever sort of listened to him do any commentary tracks, or, or he is he is like a British gentleman. And I think that's a tip of the hat to his classiness. I think he was like, okay, I, I get the fact that we're going to use white actors to play Asian characters, but we're not going to do that. Yeah. We're not going to do that. <laughs> so. It's yeah, it's funny that you mentioned sort of the British gentleman thing because this I this is I found Doctor No and and the other one from Musha with Love to me very interesting in that they seem to be real midpoints in sort of the changing of cinema because they both have a very very stiff upper lip British kind of formalism that I think you saw in fifties movies, fifties spy movies, and yes. then by the time you got to Goldfinger. I think the reason Goldfinger is the one that everyone seems to point to is like one is because it. I think that's when the James Bond series really started just inspiring itself. Yes, that's uh, that. I, I say it's the movie where the formula came together. Yeah. Every every piece of the James Bond formula is present in that movie, and you're absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely I mean, right. Doctor No feels like a modern gloss on those 50 spy movies where everybody was in very pressed suits and the, a lot of the camera setups are very far away. Like James Bond enters a room and you'll see, you know, you'll see a good pan of the entire set. And mm-hmm. James Bond is a relatively small figure inside these sets. Cause that's how they shot movies back then. They didn't do close up, close up, close up every time. Yes. And I, that, works in James Bond favor so well because anybody who's heavily steeped in, in the 007 franchise knows about Ken Adam and his set design yeah, oh. is I mean I can't it, here's the here's the biggest compliment I can give you I can't name you another set designer ever <laughs> that's a good <laughs> but point I, I never thought about that but you're right yeah <laughs> but but people say Ken Adam and you just immediately see those big sweeping sets that 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 are part of the movie. They're part of the experience. And, and, and you're right. It was sort of a film style of the time. It was very, like you said, very British and clean. And, and, you know, the only thing that really, I think turned that genre on its ear was James Bond himself yeah. was, he was sort of that, he was almost the first time. And, and I'm sure somebody will write in and correct me if I'm wrong, but he's, he's kind of the, the first time I can think of where the hero was not basically, you know, your basic, uh, very gallivanting. He was, he was a dark, you know, mm-hmm. he was a little cruel mm-hmm. and, uh, but it added, it, it made him cool. It made him cool. He was, you know, everybody likes that character, you know, he's like Wolverine on the X-Men. He's, he's, he's darker than the rest and everybody loves him. You know, it's same thing with James Bond. He was just, he was darker. He was, he was, uh, there's something about him that, that's really set him apart. Yeah, when they're in that bar and they grab the photographer, and they, they kind of like rough her up a little, you know. They and the, the, the one guy in Quarrel is like, "Do you want me to, want me to break, break her arm?" And James Bond's like, "Not just yet." And we're like, "Wow, these are a bunch of guys kind of menacing this, you know, woman photographer." Now, I mean, she put herself in that situation, but still, it's like, boy, he's really being kind of a dick here, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when he sleeps with the agent, the double agent, as you mentioned, and you think, you know, he sleeps with her first. And then just to he, kill time, mind just, you. Just to kill time. He literally <laughs> looks at his watch to kill time. And then he basically he sends her off to the Hooskow <laughs> at that point. And he's like, Joe, what the line about? He's like, uh, be careful of her, uh, her, uh, her nails or whatever it is because she's got the poison or whatever on her nails. And it's like, wow, he really is just like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. You know, I'll just, I'll just do this. I'm, I have every intention of, of, of handing her over to the authorities, but we might as well have some sex first. Like, Wow, and I mean, I mean, I read about that. Apparently, when Ian Fleming saw this movie, he was not happy. He did not think Sean Connery was 
his version of James Bond, what he saw in his head. Right. Now, apparently, he was won over. I think probably the fact that the movies started making tons of money, probably. I'm sure that probably <laughs> yes. helped, like, helped him get over it a little. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it is – you know, Roger Moore will always be my James Bond because those that's the movies I saw when I was a kid. Everyone is your first – it tends to be your Bond is the one you saw first. That said, I can get why Sean Connery – is so beloved because a he defined the role and he is terrific in this, especially in this one. He's he's great. Yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, and and Roger Moore was obviously I think you and I are very very close in age, and and then I was raised on Roger Moore as well. But I, I'm going to be honest with you. I've turned on him a little bit. Not that I don't love Roger Moore. I do, I do love Roger Stopping Moore. Stop the podcast right here. Don't stop the podcast. <laughs> uh, I will explain myself. I think um, I, what, what kind of ruined me was really getting in uh, into the into the novels and reading reading the, mm. the, 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 the Ian Fleming books and then, then the Gardeners and then Raymond Benson. Raymond Benson wrote some great books, by the way. I'm going to plug him real quick. Uh, those were fantastic. Uh, but – but I think what what turns me off about Roger Moore it turns me off is such a strong. I love Roger Moore. I love all the movies. And there's nothing wrong with him. But uh, my big thing is people forget that James Bond is an assassin, mm-hmm. and 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 Roger Moore killed the gentleman spy role. He was a perfect gentleman spy. But I never bought him as an assassin. Even Roger Moore didn't want to be sold as an assassin. That's true. Uh, That's true. Yeah, he himself was uncomfortable with that role. He was uncomfortable with that role. And I'm just like Eh, you know that's who he is, and 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 all the other actors, every single other actor's ever played him. Like, can you see him being a gentleman spy, and also see him out behind a restaurant, behind a dumpster, slitting the guy's throat because that's what he's there to do? And the answer is yes, yes, no, yes, 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 mm-hmm. because Roger Moore's Bond just didn't have that feel. But yeah, but Sean Connery, he, he definitely brought like like you said, you know, going back to that scene in the bar, you know, they're he's twisting their arm up your break her arm, not just yet, you know, you you he's. He's not to be trifled with, you know. He's he's a killer. He's mm-hmm. a, and, and I think a lot of people lose that. And and I and once again, don't don't cut me off the podcast, man. I love Roger. <laughs> I love it's, Roger Moore. It's but funny. he just he's not menacing. He's not a menacing guy. That's true. No, that's that's absolutely absolutely true. I mean, I love the the scene where uh, they try and kill Bond with the tarantula. And I mean, it's a great sequence because we all, I think, well, I was going to say we all know, but we, some of us know that have looked into this stuff. Sean Connery is deathly afraid of spiders in real life. So <laughs> that was not a fun scene for him to do. And they had to actually use uh, the body double, the guy, Bob Simmons, who is, mm-hmm. of course, the guy in the opening credits of James Bond for the first three movies. That's not, that's not Sean Connery in the gun sights. That's, that's Bob Simmons. And, Simmons. um, the close-up shots of the tarantula on the shoulder is Bob Simmons, and then they would cut back to Sean Connery. But anyway, the, the spider finally crawls off Bond and walks onto a, a pillow. And Bond, mm-hmm. Bond jumps up, and he flips the pillow, and the spider presumably falls over to the side of the bed. And you see Bond go on that side of the bed, and he whacks that thing like a thousand times with his shoe. He hits it like three times, stops, and then he goes back and does it again. And it's like, yeah, that's how mad he is. He just, he just really, he smashed that thing into pulp. He freaked the F out, man. Yeah. <laughs> he really did. He lost his crap. That's a great moment of James Bond just like, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, Spider. Like, that, oh. like that was really, that was not Sean Connery acting. Like, that was really him just. <laughs> yeah, just he, 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 he did that a couple of times. And as you as you probably know, when, when you do see Connery and the Spider at the same time, there's a glass. The Spider's actually crawling on glass. There's a glass sheet between. You know, Connery I read that, but I spider. couldn't see it. That, that was really well done. I they mean, I they went so far. Yeah, they went so far as to so that the spider wouldn't slip off and everything would look right in the lighting. Like the, the bed wasn't even laying flat. It was like the bed was standing up and he had to kind of just lean into the bed and the glass. Oh, wow. It was, yeah, it was one of those things uh, I, I, I learned from those. those um, I, we had talked about the old laser disc commentaries. Oh, the that, commentary, yeah, 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 yeah. Those that, are really terrific. Were, They've been like sort of like banned now or something. They were banned, oh, yeah. yeah. And I listened to them uh, in preparation for the show, and I listened to that commentary again. And I and I was listening with the ear, like, why why did this get banned? You know, yeah, I know. <laughs> like I'm, yeah. I listened really closely, and I, honestly, I think it, there was a point in there where where some people had said, and it wasn't anything too terrible, but said a couple of mildly disparaging things about Harry Saltzman. And I know oh, that, okay. that Albert Broccoli was really interested in repairing his friendship with Saltzman, so I think it was like, 
no, you know, we're not going to say anything negative about Harry because, yeah, that that if you ever seen the the background on that, those two feuded for a long time. Yeah. And, and, they needed to repair their their friendship. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that's that's nice. my guess. That's my okay. guess. But yeah, that's I tangent. I went a long tangent there, but the, the, the spider scene got a huge laugh in the crowd. Yeah. Because it's it's like one of the, like James Bond, like Goldfinger, like that laser's about to to shoot him. You know, right in the right in the double O's, right? And uh, he doesn't even care. You know, he's like, I'm cool. I mean, he's he's a little nervous. He's like, he's, he's kind of fidgeting his way out of it. But he flipped the F out on that spider. That is great. It's such a good scene. And, you know, it is funny because, like, it's people that don't like the James Bond movies, I, I find, have a tough time understanding why they're so beloved to people who do like them. And, you know, I mean, there's certainly, of course, a, a whole bunch of wish fulfillment because you wish you were, like, one percent as cool as james bond i mean one of the things that, that goes on and especially and in, in you're talking about they said that this movie sets the template it's like it, any woman that runs into james bond at any moment is good to go yes, and, yes. you know what i mean he walks into the room and the one girl sylvia trent not sylvia trent is it sylvia trent yeah. the one who's putting and she's yes. like in a nightshirt and no pants you know and mm-hmm. he's like you always dress this way to go you know and it's like <laughs> <laughs> They're all, you know, and then like when when him and Honey Rider in the boat at the end, you know, he's yeah. like, hey, he's like, ah, to hell with it. Let's not get rescued. Let's just do it here in the boat. Yeah, sure, fine. It's just like you know, as a even, teen- as a teenage boy, you're just like, yeah, that's what I want. That's what e- I think e- I want at least. Yeah. <laughs> even when even when he picks up his key when he gets to the hotel in Jamaica, the girl who gives him the key at the front desk totally <laughs> gives him the gives him the doomy eyes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this movie, and that, that is one of the things that this, part of the reason, that, apparently, that they went with Dr. No as the first book, because, of course, as we all know, Casino Royale is the first book, but for the first movie, is because the plot was relatively simple, mm-hmm. because it really is just a couple locations. It's just Jamaica and England, for the most part. And, you know, I mean, the Jamaica settings really are beautiful. I mean, the co- again, I mentioned earlier, the colors in this movie are beautiful. You talked about Ken Adam. There's that scene where Professor Dent goes into that room and it's got mm-hmm. that uh, that skylight with like, like rib. the, the ribs yeah. with like the th- it's like the cross hatching and you're like oh my god that's beautiful like it's, no wonder that Ken Adam got the gig for Doctor Strange Love based on his it, work yeah. from the James Bond movies cuz these things are just so sumptuous looking and you know what's crazy is go go back and look or just go back in your memory and uh, what kind of furniture was in the the room that you're talking about where he, where where um uh, uh what's his name uh, professor dent goes to get the spider uh do you remember what furniture was in there isn't there like like one chair or something. One chair. It's you like got a it. Giant there's, room and one chair. There's yeah. one chair and a table with a spider on it, and that is it. And you're just like, how did how did he make that work? But it just it it pops. You yeah. just you don't oh. forget it. You yeah, don't forget absolutely it. Absolutely beautiful. And like I like when Bond and Quarrel and Honey Rider are together, like they're in red, white, and blue outfits. But Bond is in blue, you know, flat blue. She's in, of course, the white outfit. And he's getting Quarrel has this red shirt. And there's this great shot of the three of them as they're looking off in the distance. And I'm like, I don't know what this means, if it means anything. But it's just seeing this red, white, and blue colors. It's gorgeous. I mean, it's the water they're in. is like sky blue. And, of course, uh, Ursula Andress's intro is one of the great Bond girl intros of all time. I mean, I'm like, blondes are not kind of like my thing. But good lord, is she unbelievable it's, in this movie? It's not, in my opinion, it's not just one of the best Bond girl intros. It's one of the best movie intros of a character. And in fact, they mentioned that on that on that commentary track that that I, I can't remember. Somebody famous that said there was two great intros in movies, and I can't remember what the other one was. But the number two was Ursula Andress coming out of the sea, and I think it is just it's it's yeah, it's one of those highlight reel like. When have you ever seen a character, any character, introduced in such a magnificent way? Like the only one that just springs to mind for me is like when you first see Darth Vader and he comes through that door with all that smoke and yeah. you know you're like, whoa, Darth Vader. But like, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great great uh, cinematic entry that will stand the test of time. It looks good today. It looked good back then. You know, there's it's fantastic. A, there's a great little moment that I never noticed before until I watched it again on, again on Hulu that when Quarrel sees her for the first time, he just does this little head shake when he sees her. Like he can't believe 
there's a woman that looks like this. You know, like he just has this quite little like, huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just Obviously, he hasn't really spent subtle. enough time with with 007. He spent more than 20 minutes with 007. He'd understand that this is standard operating yeah, yeah. procedure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. You're like, okay, you got to hang out with this guy because this, this is just amazing. Uh, I was reading about, you know, again, the, in preparation for the show and about like the scene in the airport where he gets photographed. Is, mm-hmm. That's literally the first scene of that they shot for the movie. And that, so that is literally the beginning of the James Bond film franchise. And it's such kind of a, 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 a what's well, not boring. I don't mean that as a bad thing, but it's kind of just a regular scene. It's, yeah. There's nothing terribly exciting. And it's like, you imagine all these people in this, like, do you guys realize you're making cinema history right now? Do any of you have any idea? No, of course <laughs> they, not. They, no they had no clue. They had no clue. And there was so much, there was so much going right for it because uh, they wanted uh, their first movie. I don't know if you know this. They wanted to lead off with Thunderball. I didn't know that. No. And and, and it and it was it was caught up in that legal battle uh, with uh, was that guy named Cleary? Oh yeah, uh, McCrory. Who, who said he had McCrory, rights to it because yeah. he had. Yeah, Kevin McCrory. And that ended up being such a blessing in disguise because imagine if they tried to pull off Thunderball with Doctor No's budget, it would have not looked right. And, yeah, and, yeah. and Dr. No, like you said in the very beginning, it lends itself to small budget because there's not a lot of moving parts to it and not a lot of huge stuff that has to be done. You don't have a huge underwater fight scene <laughs> to go Yeah, and the jet film. pack and all that stuff. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, big... it's just so much, so much fortunate things happened to make it, Yeah, like the... you said, kick off cinema history. Yeah, I mean, the one big set they have is Dr. No's lab at the end, and everybody's in those bubble suits, and that looks really cool. I mean, I love the whole conveyor belt. I love when Bond and Honey Rider get sprayed with the the decontaminant. You know, like that's just like a weird-looking thing to see them get splattered with stuff that looks like white paint, and then they they get put on the assembly line, and Honey Rider looks like she's naked because she well she is naked presumably in the in the kind of the reality of the story, and they're getting a bath, and it's like it just it's a neat look. It almost looks kind of like the Batman TV show would in a couple of years, not quite as silly, obviously, but it's it's again it's for 1962. It's it's just like a little bit of a startling visual. It absolutely is, yeah. And I was always very disappointed that we did not get to see Naked Honey Rider. But uh, eventually I did in a movie called Slave to the Cannibal God. That's a I'm, real movie. Yes, <laughs> I've seen that. Oh, my because, gosh. Because she gets – Ursula Andrews gets trussed up in that movie like she does yeah. in this movie. People just yeah. wanted to – people wanted to put her in manacles. That was just the thing, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stacy Keach, I think, was – I can't believe you've seen – well, of course I can believe you. You saw The Razor's Edge. Oh, I heard that episode hey. recently. I, I was no. like – I. I thought I was the only one that knew it existed. No, no, no. I have, you know, I'll tell you this. I've seen that Slave, the Cannibal God movie, on the big screen. Oh, you! I, I don't believe you. I'm going to pull a Ron Burgundy. I don't no, believe you. I absolutely have. I absolutely have. And that movie gets crazy weird. So that was a, yes, that was a really experience. But, yeah. Uh, <sighs> in terms of uh, intros, though, we had, you should mention about James Bond's intro. Uh, which oh, is yeah. really, really well done. I mean, it's him playing the card game, and you hear him first. You see his hand. You see all these, you know, all these quick cuts. And apparently, it was kind of ripped off from a really obscure movie called Juarez uh, with I think John Garfield from 1939. I have I've heard of that movie, but I've never seen it. It's got Betty Davis in. But apparently, there's a similar intro, and that's where they got it from. Terrence Young <laughs> liked it and just gave. And it's like. When you see it now, you're like, oh, man, you're, it, it is one of the great – you're like, yeah, here it comes. you know. And then, of course, <laughs> the introduction of his catchphrase when he Bond, James Bond, it, that's kind of a throwaway because it seems like it's done as a joke, as a retort to uh, Sylvia Trench because he right. says, what's her name? And she says, Trench. Sylvia Trench. What's your name? And he's like, Bond. So it seems like he's making fun of her a little. And, of course – you know, it went on forever. I love how Sylvia Trench, very subtle. Thank you, guys. You guys had the women names down from the very first film. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. Yeah, they knew what they were doing. That was another thing. I, as a kid, I liked about the James Bond movies because it, it had that kind of winking, you know, like this is all it – was, it was naughtiness that you could sort of see with your parents or like your dad at least, and it didn't seem – you know, too far gone because I saw all these movies with my dad, and you know, I mean, where else am I going to see Octopussy with my father? When, when, you know, when are you going to have a right. chance? Otherwise, you'd be I, horribly embarrassed. I saw a great behind the scenes about uh, the, the, obviously the greatest James Bond 
lady name of all time is Pussy Galore. And I saw a great behind the scenes on that where I can't remember. The, I think it was the director on that one. It might have been Terrence Young. I can't remember if him or Peter Hunt. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they, they actually said, you know, yeah, we called this character Pussy Galore, but it was he was like it was, it was one of those jokes that we knew the grown-ups would get and kids wouldn't get. And if the kid got it, you were doing something wrong in raising your kid to begin with. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's all sorts of jokes. You know, when I when I rewatch the Roger Moore ones, and I'm like, oh, okay, I get. It. Yeah. <laughs> when I was, you know, when I was nine and seeing Moonraker, and he's talking about a reentry, I'm like, okay, whatever. You know? <laughs> but I mean, I you, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was I was gonna kind of jump back to that introduction scene that you were just talking oh, about please, with Sylvia yeah. Trance. That that scene just for me, kind of personally, was one of the first times like uh, where I really noticed how good a blu-ray could be over a dvd mm. um it's like we did you know we kind of went from vhs to the dvd which was like a huge jump like wow look at that and then i was like okay we went from dvd to blu-ray and i was like eh, is it really that that much better and dr no was the movie where i went yes it is because if, if you ever have enough spare time like i do apparently uh you, <laughs> you watch dr no on, on a DVD quality and then watch it on Blu-ray quality. And especially in that scene, you will see so, some of the very vibrant tapestries and, and uh, of the wallpaper and the chairs have so many different, like, beautiful patterns to them that you don't notice uh, or you can't even see on the DVD copy. Yeah. When you see it on the Blu-ray, it's like, whoa, it's so sharp. And, like, I, I was noticing details. I mean, I guess it'll happen when you've seen a movie about 40 times yeah. and then you watch it. But, yeah, just, just a, kind of a personal story about for me about how that was the movie that opened my eyes and said, yeah, Blu-ray, man. This is, this is good. <laughs> oh, yeah, the ones on Hulu are 1080p, and they look just terrific. I mean, it, they oh, just, it really is. I, I You know, I'm not a huge stickler. For making like it be the best absolute picture because, you know, sometimes you can and I've seen lots of things in cruddy situations where if the movie's good enough, it's good, you know, and it doesn't really matter. But, yeah, I mean, especially when you're looking at something that was put as much into the visuals. I mean, any any movie designed by Ken Adam yes. certainly, certainly does deserve to be seen in the in the best manner clearest manner possible because he really did fill the frame with all these crazy things and again you know when we're talking about you know some sets are you know impressionistic in their emptiness and then mm -hmm. other ones are filled with all these little bric-a-brac in detail i mean the card game is filled with all those little people running around in the background and the scenes on the beach uh at uh crab key uh are look terrific i mean the water is just beautiful and and then of course the dr no's lab is Fantastic. I mean, it's it's really said a really really gorgeous movie. And it's again, it's funny when I was rewatching it, the opening scene with the three blind mice, where they kill <laughs> where they kill the British agent. Like that is again, I I thought of Doctor No as being boring, like stiff. And you watch that opening sequence. That is cut as modern as anything you would see nowadays. Like yeah. there were three really fast cuts where they take him out and they go boom 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 and they pop. Yeah, you know, they have the silencers on. I was like shocked at how abrupt that cutting was. And again, for 1962, that had to be almost giving the audience whiplash. Yeah, it was, it was, it definitely adds a, I don't know, a dynamic moment to a scene that could have been filmed in a more boring way. You're right. But I tell you what shocked me more than anything else in that scene is, is Strangways comes out of the club and he walks by the, by the three blind guys. And they've got their little tip cup out. He tips them, and then they kill him. I always felt bad. I always felt bad for Strangways. I was like, "Ah, he's not a bad guy." Yeah, I mean, he's, come on. He totally tipped these guys, and they they often. <laughs> and now that's something you won't be able to not see every time you watch Doctor. You'd be like, "Yeah, he totally tipped those guys." <laughs> yeah, jeez, I, I don't know if I noticed that. I will have to. I will have to look at that. That's and then not... they shot him for it. It's totally unfair. <laughs> uh, we haven't mentioned. Um... I, I should I do want to mention just once Jack Lord plays Felix oh, Leiter. Uh, a, I'm amazed that I guess it's because the Broccoli family has the stranglehold on these rights. Like with all the, considering how many like sidequels and prequels there are, I can't believe we've never had a Felix Leiter series. You know, because it just seems like the James Bond thing is ripe for spinoffs and stuff, but it's never happened. They've never done it. Yeah, strangely enough, I had a similar conversation uh, on a, with another friend of mine 
Uh, I, I don't know remember if it made the, made the cut or not on another James Bond podcast. I, I'm cheating on you. I'm, I'm doing James Bond podcasts here and there and everywhere. <laughs> and uh, and and he had a great theory about that. He especially when it came to Jack Lord. He was like, "Have you ever noticed that Jack Lord is like the most charismatic Felix Leiter of the whole series?" And and his theory was that the that the the broccoli camp said, "Let's let's make Felix Leiter a little more boring." Because he was like basically Jack Lord was so charismatic and handsome, like he was he was on like equal footing with Connery, he you know, uh, you know almost. And, but and I thought that was kind of a neat theory that that you know it had Jack Lord on, and then like after that, the 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 the, the Felix Leiters get less charming. <laughs> as That's you true. Go. That is Not true. that there's a bad one. I mean, you had David Hedison was awesome, and he got. I like Jeffrey twice. Wright. I like. I thought he was good. Yeah, but Jeffrey right. Wright's Nobody's great. Nobody's going to mistake David Hedison for James Bond. Or yeah, but yeah, it's in the same thing. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright's great, but he's no Daniel Craig, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's uh, yeah, he's for, a great actor, yeah, but for, for, when it comes to that physical presence. Yeah, that's. I think there might be something to that theory. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, for for Pete's sake, Jack Lord was almost going to be Captain Kirk at one point. So I mean, obviously he was, you know, always sort of could have been like the dashing leading man. But yeah, you're right. It would have been weird to have the sort of sub guy be just as handsome. I mean, he went on to do Hawaii Five O and stuff. But I mean, it's it's funny to watch that Felix Later is literally different in practically every James Bond movie. Like they just make no pretend, considering that Bernard Lee as M moves on. And Lois mm. Maxwell, like it's the mm. same people over and over, except for Felix Leader, who never looks the same in any one of these movies. And Speaking Anthony, of people, <laughs> Anthony Dawson, Anthony Dawson, who's Professor Dent, Anthony Dawson goes on to be Blofeld. Well, yeah, that's in right. Another movie, and he's in the uh, the James Bond movie Operation Kid Kid Brother, Operation Kid Brother with Neil Connery. He's in that. Which movie I've, act- too. I've actually seen that too. We covered it here on the show. It's, Did you? Yeah, I didn't it's, catch that. One. Like I've only seen the Mystery Science them, yeah. Theater version of it. I've oh, never seen God. it like pure. Oh. So speaking of people who who carried over, people who didn't carry over, have you ever heard of Peter Burton? I'm I'm going to know yeah, as me, soon as you say. Let it. me let me tell you why you haven't heard of Peter Burton. He played Major Boothroyd. He played Q in this movie. Oh right, and right, then, right. And then when they offered him on on uh, from Russia with Love to come back, he's he said, nah, "I've got this other movie I'm going to go do that nobody's ever heard of." And uh, yeah, apparently he kicked himself for a long time because Peter Burton, I got nothing. Desmond Llewellyn, yeah, I know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh man. Oh. Yeah. That, that guy, he only did he only did this one one appearance as Q, and then and then uh, old Desmond owned it forever. Yep. Oh, amazing. Yeah. What a ride. That and I, one. And now now you, I now I just want to talk about that that one scene. That he's in at the beginning when uh, when 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 he gives Bond the the PPK, trades the Beretta for the PPK, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna tell you why why that scene is fantastic. You probably already know because you're a film guy, but we learn so much about the characters of M and 007 and their relationship from that little scene. It's like a brilliant piece of of very very little writing. It's all in the actions and what they do. You know, you, first you have Q come in and say, "This is this is your new weapon," and and Bond's like very hesitant about it. And you can kind of tell, okay, this Bond guy is a guy who kind of sticks with the things he knows and sticks with the things he loves. And he's very traditional. And then he says, "Okay, well, you got to switch out your gun." And then and right there, James Bond tries to take his old gun with him. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this as he's leaving the office, like yep. hidden under under the box. And M doesn't even look up from what he's doing. He goes, 007, just leave the Beretta." <laughs> And I thought that is such – I love when movies do that, where they don't give us any exposition or, or, or a huge amount of dialogue just so we can learn how these guys operate. We learn James Bond likes things his way, and he's going to try to get away with whatever he can. M knows this guy front to back, and there's no fooling him, and yet they have total mutual respect for one another. And you learn all that in that just simple little scene, and I just – I think it's fantastic. That is, that is terrific. Is that your favorite scene from the movie? Oh man, I didn't know that was coming. My favorite scene from the movie. Whew, I don't know. Do you have one? Can you stall for time for okay. me? <laughs> I, I will. I re- okay. I I really love the 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 fight between Bond and uh, Doctor No at the end. Just there's something so comically wonderful about them fighting on over the pit of acid. 
and and I love the helmets that they have on the clear the the, the Doctor No has that clear plastic helmet on. Like there's just something so goofy about it, and in kind of a good way. It's just really funny, and I really enjoy watching it. And just the way that it's cut, where as he's he's on the platform and Bond beats him up and he falls into the thing and he's trying to grab onto the. The, the metal railing and they keep cutting back to his hand as it's slipping further down. It's like, because that, I mean, D- Dr. No doesn't just fall off of a, of a ladder. He gets dropped into boiling acid. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's like the, the, for the movie really has like some stakes to it. Cause you just like, you don't want to mess with James Bond. You, know, you just really don't want to mess with him because he will think nothing of doing that to you. I mean, there's nothing left of Dr. No at that point. I mean, he's just, you know, he's reduced to nothing. He's reduced to atoms. I think I'm going to have to, I think I'm going to have to be totally unoriginal and, and agree with you uh, because not only is, yeah, you make a great point about how he died and his great death. And I remember seeing it as a kid and, and watching, you know, his metallic hands couldn't get a grip on the metal. So he's just sliding down and being somewhat terrified by that, right? by that image. And then as an adult, you look back on it, and it's another very clever thing that they've done with the movie is they've taken Dr. No's greatest strength, which are these powerful metal hands, and that's what killed him. He couldn't get a grip because he had metal hands. Uh, so I think that's – yeah, I have to agree with you. I think that is uh, is a, definitely a standout moment. Uh, very different from how Dr. No buys it in the books. I don't know if you're a book guy. I've never – I've read some of the books, but I've never read Dr. No. Is it, is it no, how much of it – is it you know fairly faithful? Not at all? Dr. No is one of the more faithful ones. Okay. It's pretty close, but, but Dr. No in the book – uh, was was mining uh, guano from I think it was seagulls, and James Bond literally kills him by by burying him in guano. Ooh, yeah. So he actually I think he got off lucky with the acid water in in the movie because yeah. he was killed by being buried under bird crap uh, in the book. <laughs> so yeah, and like I said though, that is one of the more faithful book to movies. Uh, the only other and there's a few things are different. The only other thing that really was, jumps out at me from my memories that it wasn't they didn't use a tarantula they used a centipede in the book and uh tarantula yeah centipede Uh, tarantula plays a hell of a lot better on film are centipedes Uh, dangerous uh i played a video game once where i shot the crap out of them but i (laughs) I don't know why anyone would be scared of a centipede on there yeah i i never quite got i think there are some poisonous centipedes but yeah that the big spider plays better those are the two big differences i can remember um but yeah i do remember the book being pretty faithful except for that that bird poop death for doctor no. mm. yeah i i'd take the acid bath any day over the bird poop death huh. now even... uh, i do want to i do want to ask you about the james Bond series in general but before i do that there's one other part of this i wanted to mention there is of course a comic book adaptation of this movie done by dc comics it was part of their showcase series uh, it's very strange in that, you know, you're like, why is there a James Bond comic in the middle of this run of DC stories? And if you've ever read the comic, it doesn't read like any other DC book because the art style is something that was never done for a DC comic. And the, all the type is uh, – all the dialogue is typeset. Uh, it's not hand-lettered. So it doesn't look like a DC comic. And it's, it, it's always sort of baffling if you don't know. And the reason – it looks the way it does is because it was done for British, a British uh, classic illustrated and it was sold to the American classic illustrated. And apparently classic illustrated was like, well, this isn't appropriate because this is not for, you know, this is not for learning. This is not educational. So they basically sold the rights to DC and DC just, just used it as, you know, well, we have the material and they published it as this issue of showcase. It wasn't that big of a hit because nobody knew about James Bond. So with the comic and if you look at the cover, it says Dr. No in giant letters. Nowhere does it say James Bond. It doesn't sound like it's, some, you know, so nobody really knew what it was. DC had the rights to James Bond comics for 10 years and they never thought to do anything with it. That is <sighs> Rob, let me tell you something. You're blowing my mind here because I am un- I am unaware of this comic until you just told me about it. And I know everything about James Bond, and I know everything about comic books. So I I, I apparently have to go kill myself. Have a good rest of the show. I'm uh I'm out of here. I I had no idea this existed. I had no idea there was a Doctor No comic book in DC. You said it was Showcase. It was part of their Showcase series. I think it's this, Showcase number forty three. I think. I'm writing this down. This blows my mind. It absolutely blows my mind. Yep. 
I've never heard of this before in my life. And I'm writing this down. 40 what now? I think it's 43. <laughs> I'll be writing an article about it for 13dimension.com for the Real Retro Cinema Series. Cause it's a perfect, that is amazing. Perfect marriage of comic book and movie. But if you just think that DC had the rights for a decade. Oh, my gosh. And they never yeah. thought to do anything with it. They were like, eh, that probably won't sell. Oh, that is insane. <laughs> I I've been th- I've been thoroughly enjoying uh, Dynamite has the rights now and I, and and uh, they've they've done when Spectre came out Dynamite launched a, co- a James Bond comic series by um, Jason Masters is the is the artist and he's right. flipping amazing and and I, Warren Ellis I think is writing it yes yes and and it's fantastic and just to, to think that that DC I mean that'd be like in like seventy seven when Marvel got Star Wars and they were like well we. We did the movie adaptation. Let's just uh, shelf this, you know, for... Yeah, nobody wants to see this anymore. Nobody wants to see this. Yeah, like, whoa. Wait, you just blew my mind. I had no idea there was Dr. No Comic. Yeah. And you're talking to the guy who I have a book that a lot of people don't know that James Bond used to have a, a newspaper serial comic. That's right. Like Dick Tracy was... In. And I have the book that, that combines all those. I have the whole collection. We're, and, uh, I, well, we need to talk about your art for James Bond, some James Bond art that you've done, because you're talking about great artists. So talk about that a little bit. Oh, you flatter me, sir. You flatter me. Um, I, I have done a few, uh, especially like we talked about when when Dynamite um, released that that new uh, James Bond the Varger series. Mm-hmm. Uh, they released number one with a blank cover set, um, and <clears throat> I was like, okay, yeah, because they, they they do that for the listeners that don't know. Uh, some comics will release with a, with a blank cover, so that, uh, independent artists like myself or anybody. Uh, can go and just draw their own cover on it, like a custom deal. And so I ordered uh, six of them, and I said, I'm going to do one for each actor. And uh, I I did them all, and I, I sent you a picture. That's how you know about it. I just remember, mm-hmm. like, how does he know this? But I sent you a picture. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I did uh, I did a, a cover for, for each actor that uh, I, I think they came out okay. I think I hope you liked them. <laughs> I think they look terrific. I think they look really good. They're very sharp. If only I could find someone to buy them. Um <laughs> Anybody, anybody listening? This is that. This whole episode has been a commercial for these covers. <laughs> this is the first episode of 2017, so we're starting the show off with some yeah. commercial, some commercial plugs, the and then of course a suicide by the guest. So that's yeah, really it's exciting. it's a hot episode, yeah. man. <laughs> but but yeah, they they get a lot of attention because I do a lot of a lot of comic cons and and art shows, and they get a lot of attention. Like everybody looks at them. The downside of it is is I really want to move it as a set. And when you're selling when you're selling six of them at once, uh, I think I special priced them at the shows at like a hundred bucks. But I mean, still a hundred bucks is a lot of money for somebody going to a show. Right. Uh, so it's a, it's a tough move, but uh, but yeah, they 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 came out pretty good. And and I still do one offs every once in a while. Um, I just did one for my brother. I did a Sean Connery cover for him, and I did a Daniel Craig for another guy who wanted one. And uh, I just I. I'd draw James Bond all day if you'd let me. But yeah, I, pre- I appreciate I appreciate you giving giving me the, this entire episode to build to this commercial. Um, we will we'll have your a link to your site on the show notes as well. We want I want people to see this stuff because it's really I mean the way we got to know Jared I got to know Jared from uh, from your guest appearance on another Fire and Water show which is of course Justice League International where you were on with Shag and that episode like you were great on the show it didn't I don't think it really our relationship didn't get off on a great start because you bashed Aquaman <laughs> which I didn't like very much and I was like well I hope Jared I no appreciates his one ap- I have no memory I hope you, <laughs> hope you appreciate your one appearance on the network but I decided to be nice I want 20, I want 2017 to be a year of healing so that's why <laughs> we're going to be nice and have you on uh, so yes uh, and, and you said Jared's a great artist he did a, a wonderful drawing of the superpowers Firestorm action figure which he sent to Shag and then he was nice mm. enough to do one of Aquaman for me, and I have it. He's framed it and sent it to me, and it's sitting on my desk here as I record. So it's really very nice, and I, it's it's nerdy as all get out. So I love it. So I am I am honored. I am honored. Yeah, the one for Shag, the original one I did, the Firestorm uh, superpowers action figure. That was an absolute bribe, so that he would let me guest host a JLI episode, and it worked. I'm I'm su- I'm slated to, to do an annual episode with him uh, in a couple months. So. The bribery works, people. Just send send your cash money and, and offerings uh, to Rob and Shag, uh, post office box. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. we should get a post office box. That would be fun. Uh, now we we're gonna wind up, and but I do want to bring it back to James Bond a little bit about. That's probably like, a good where, idea. Like in your, I'm not gonna ask you to do, give me the history of all the like where you put the movies in order because that's too many. But right. like generally, where do you put Doctor No? 
in your pantheon of James Bond movies? Like your favorites, not necessarily your bet the best, but I mean, like where where do you put it? Yeah, I think Doctor No will land. Uh, you know, just kind of quick rack and stack in my brain as fast as I can. I think Doctor No will will land in the middle third, like okay. the top of the. You see what I'm saying? Like if we put it into thirds, so like middle third, top of the middle third, or maybe maybe near the bottom of the first third. Okay. Uh, I give it a lot of respect. Um, uh, for for you know what it is for kicking the whole thing off, you always have to lo- throw a lot of respect to 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 the the leadoff hit. Sure. Especially when it's good, and this movie is good. It's a good leadoff hit. Uh, it, like you like you mentioned earlier, it hadn't quite um, you know developed into its self realization yet, <laughs> like right. it did in in Goldfinger, uh, which by the way is my favorite. It's Goldfinger has my number one slot. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'd say I'd say it's it's a top third. Or, 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 you know, bottom of the top third or top of the middle third, if that makes any sense whatsoever. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I really appreciate that uh, I had a sort of impetus to watch this over again. Because, like I said, I always tended to dismiss Dr. No and From Russia With Love as, like, the dry ones, the kind of bore, you know, not boring, but just not as great ones until they really kick it up with Goldfinger. But watching Dr. No and From Russia With Love, I'm like, no, these two are terrific. They are a little slower. They are a little drier than Goldfinger or whatever. But they're really terrific. I mean, I watched Dr. No again tonight, like you, and it's like it's just so much fun. It just it moves. It's, it's a little under two hours, but it moves at a good clip. I like all the different characters. I like all the dynamics. Connery is just, you know, he's at the top of his form. He's so impossibly handsome and roguish and everything else. And, the, again, I love that the opening title sequence is fantastic. Ursula Andress in the white bikini. I mean, it's just, yeah, I, I love everything about it. It's a just absolutely terrific, terrific movie. And yeah, maybe Goldfinger, it's got the edge because it's just got, I mean, such iconic things. But this is, this is really a fun movie. And yeah, what a great way to start a series. It really is. And, and one thing I, I like to point out to it, to, to people <clears throat> who, who like Bond and they say, oh, Dr. No's, you know, it's Dr. No and it's, it's kind of boring. I, I think one of the things I like to point out that's lost in time is when you, you know, you and I, we didn't see it when it was new. Uh, right. We weren't born yet. Right. Um, but back then, and what was that, 62, I think? 62, yeah. From- yeah, for for Doctor No. What people don't realize, and when you go back and you watch it in retrospect, is is the concept of world travel. Yeah. People didn't world travel like they do now. Like people go, oh yeah, I know Jamaica. I took a cruise to Jamaica six months ago. I know Jamaica. You know, it, back then it was like that was like wow. Jamaica, that's a cool setting. And, you know, Bond films are kind of famous for that, going to these extravagant places, which early in the series, if you're watching them, you go, that's amazing. But, like, now when we watch them, world travel is so much more accessible, it might seem a little more boring to us. So that's kind of an interesting thing that's sort of lost the time, that it was ex- more exciting back then because you're seeing this whole, like, what? You know, what's Jamaica all about mm-hmm. type of deal? Mm-hmm. And And – in fact, one of the neat things I learned on the commentary track that I listened to was – and I might not have my numbers right, but but the point is going to be very close. Uh, Terrence Young was talking about when they went went to film Dr. No in Jamaica, uh, he was talking about how the power of James Bond. They filmed it in Jamaica. Uh, when they did, he said – I think he said there was around the neighborhood of – I want to say it was like 400 hotels on the entire island. He said when he went back like three or four years later – there was like 1,600 hotels on the island because <laughs> it, it was like one of those things where it was like it was in a James Bond movie. And and just to under, re-underscore that point to like, well, maybe that was just a coincidence. Let's flash forward now to Spectre. My brother, he just went down to Mexico City, right? Because remember Spectre, you said like that awesome like Day of the Dead parade sure, at yeah, the very yeah. beginning? So my brother went down there for Day of the Dead this year, and he's like, I'm going to see that Day of the Dead parade. And they had the big Day of the Dead parade in Mexico City. And as he learned from the locals, from the Mexicans there, they told him – We've actually never had a Day of the Dead parade in Mexico City. We did that because of the James Bond movie. Wow. Like, this is like they were like, this is basically the first year we're doing it. And they said that because it was it, it, James Bond drives tourism to an insane level that we don't understand. <laughs> and my brother was like, "What?" And they're like, "Yeah." They're like, "No, there's Day of the Dead parades, but we don't do one like that in Mexico City until that movie came out." And we were like, "Well, I guess we'll do it." And uh, I thought, well, that's amazing. And when I coupled that with the information I caught on the 
on the commentary about Jamaica's hotels like basically quadrupling in a couple of years. You just go, wow, that's the that's the power of James Bond, you know? Yeah, it's oh, amazing. That's, like, that's really cool. My wife and I cruised to our to Jamaica a couple of years ago. I was the first time I ever went there, and they're like, "Oh, you want to go see the the Ocho Rios Falls? All this?" And I was like, "Nope, take me to Goldeneye." <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and they, that's what I did. I went and I saw the the Goldeneye Mansion, which was really funny because it's privately owned. And uh, the the taxi driver guy that we hired for the day was hilarious. He just he kind of went up to he was like, "Go over here and just look around." I'm like, "This is somebody's house." He's like, "Just go look around." And <laughs> we're like, "Okay." And he went to the front door. Like, I think he was just acting like, hey, did somebody order a taxi? And it was all a distraction move so that my wife and I could just kind of look around the grounds for a minute. Oh, that's nice. It, he was a great guy. And it, it was, he was like, okay, time's up. We got to go. And we're like, okay. So, uh, yeah, I went to see Goldeneye. They still have James Bond Beach. You can go down to the beach and you can see the spot where Ursula Andrews came out of the water. And uh, it's, it's still a thing down there, man. It's still a thing. That's terrific. That I went terrific. on a crazy tangent about travel and James Bond, but I think it's it's cool that the 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 power that the movies had. Yeah, yeah, that is part of the allure of it. And I said I still think it's that way to this day, even though as you, as you said, the, the world is a smaller place. But yeah, you're still getting to see these spots that you're never going to get to see, and so yeah, it's amazing. It's really cool. It's a it's a terrific movie. It's a terrific series. They're all available on Hulu. So uh, yeah, this was awesome, Jared. Thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about Doctor No. I absolutely will have you back to talk another James Bond because I know how much you love this series. You for anybody you know, Jared basically said he'll talk about any of them. And so I was like, okay, let's pick one. And we were going to do Goldfinger because we had both just seen it on the big screen. But then I was like, you know what? Dr. No never gets enough love. So let's do Dr. No. And I'm glad we did because it's, it's just – it's really terrific. So thank you for doing the show, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, I, I appreciate you, you having me on. And, and, and the listeners need to know how you tested me when I was like, I will do any Bond movie. And you were like, well, then let's do Die Another Day. And I was like, okay, I will do it. And you were like, that's how you do You're like, this guy is for real. <laughs> what are you, insane? I'm not doing that movie. What's the matter with you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, where I, I, can... wait, I, I, oh, go ahead. Go I was going to ask you to, to plug yourself. Where can people find you on the internet? People can find me uh, all, all over the internet. I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere at all times. Um, you go to a website and I'm there. But the, the easiest way to find me uh, would probably be, my most successful way to find me would be on Facebook uh, and Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, I'm just at Yard Sale Artist, and on Facebook, I'm you know slash Yard Sale Artist. I have my own uh, website, theyardsaleartist.com. Uh, that one gets updated, you know, about once or twice a month. And I've got a blog spot, Yard Sale Artist blog spot, that gets updated once or twice a month. But the best way to keep up with me and what I'm doing art-wise is is Twitter and Facebook because I I do a lot more. You know, every couple of days, this is what I'm working on, progression photos and things like that. And people people seem to enjoy that. So, yeah, check me out. I'm out and about. Very you can cool. catch me on some other podcasts, too. I'm, apparently, I'm, I'm, I'm floating into the podcast world. I've been doing some Long Box Crusade with, with Pat Sampson. I don't know if you are aware of that show, Rob. But uh, yep, Pat, yep Pat absolutely. Pat told me to tell you hi, by the way. I was talking with him right before we got on. He was like, hey, say hi to Rob. So uh, yeah, I've been, I've, I did my first guest shot on that, and apparently I'm going to be back for more on 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 that one. And I'm over on the White Rocket Podcast Network, where by the way I'm also the art director for White Rocket Books. So it's another great place to go on the web. Check out WhiteRocketBooks.com, and uh, that's where I I'm the art director for the very talented Van Allen Plexico. He's a great writer. What else can I plug here? How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> No, that's about it for my plugs. Uh, but I, I, I cannot let us get off this, this, uh, this podcast. If I, I can't live with myself if I don't point out one of my favorite movie flaws. I, I told you in our, in our chat that this movie has one of the best movie flaws that I love that no one ever notices. All right, so I'm going to point out the best, the best movie flaw of Doctor No is when they were. He's just met Honey Rider. And he's realized that the the bad guys know that they're on the island, and the bad guy like PT boat comes up right, and they're kind of hiding behind the dunes. Right, they're and like, the "We're PT- come out!" You remember, they're like, "Yeah, they're using it, the bullhorn to get him out." Yeah. And that's exactly where we're going with this, because the 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 foley artist has got the guy. And he's like, uh, "You know, come on out." 
Show, show us your hands, and they don't come out, right? And he goes, all right, you know, we'll be back. We'll be back with the dogs. You know, It's all very over the megaphone. And then he takes the megaphone away from his mouth and turns to his driver and says, full speed ahead, except it's still megaphone. He goes, full speed ahead, <laughs> even though the <laughs> megaphone is nowhere near his mouth. <laughs> and nobody ever notices that, but it cracks me up every time I see it. That guy I'm like, that, that guy, apparently that's just how he talked, and the yeah. megaphone didn't work at all. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I just had to point that out. Uh, I, I promise not to make your show run any longer. I do appreciate you having me on uh, a ton. I listen to your show a lot, especially while I paint. I, I listen to podcasts while I paint and while I draw. And uh, so you're always uh, in in my ear while I'm doing that stuff. Very cool. It's, it's, oh, I always like to. I listen to podcasts while I'm working as well. So I'm happy to be a part of someone else's creative process. So. Uh, yeah, again, Jared, thank you so much. It was great to finally talk to you d- directly uh, and uh, to realize you're an actual you know, nice person, not just someone who slams Aquaman mercilessly. So that's a good thing to learn. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, know. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, uh, of course, if you want to find this show, you can find it on Twitter at, at Film and Water Pod. And you can find this and all our other great shows over on the network site, which is Film and Water Podcast.com. So, Jared, once again, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you for having me. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next week, that's a wrap. Sit down, Bond. Yeah. Your 007 ring. At least the 007 seal. Your 007 ID bracelet conceals ammunition and message pellets for use with the 007 pen. An ordinary pen, isn't it? It writes like one, but it projects messages over 20 feet. Ingenious. And should you find yourself trapped, you merely whistle for help. Then by placing ammunition in that slot... Careful, Bond! This is vapor paper. Writing messages to our agents. Drop it in water. Astonishing. Good luck, Bond. You're on your own. Get your 007 secret agent pen and disappearing vapor paper separately or packaged with a 007 secret agent ring and ID bracelet. You'll get a bang out of it.